everybody welcome back to another episode of the balance blues brothers podcast today it's going to be me travis joined with ola and we're going to be here to break down the nil nil draw at at anfield um over the weekend so we had the early kickoff this weekend um and once again the match looked like it was going to be off to a great start without any disappointment and a quick goal from kai Havertz off of a corner kick that was redirected towards him from diago silva uh, unfortunately, uh, the offsides <clears throat> was given after VAR review and it goes back to nil nil. And that's where the match stayed the rest of the game. Neither team really had that many threats. Maybe later on, you could argue Chelsea were the one knocking on the door more, asking more questions, having a little bit more, you know, just verve to their attacking play compared to Liverpool. Um, whereas, you know, you look at Liverpool, I think we did a great job defensively neutralizing them in many situations. Um, and overall, there's a lot to see from uh, Badi Ashil already. Um, he, he looks really composed. He looks very assured. Um, to me, I'm almost getting, and I hate to do this, I hate to just use past players as comparisons, but I think that what I'm what, what I'm getting out of Badi Ashil is he kind of has the athleticism, um, you know, in terms of just look at his frame, you know, like 6'4", uh, just a very daunting physical presence uh, in terms of aerial duels or whatever else. I think he has that kind of presence like Zuma did. Maybe not as good as Zuma, though. I think Zuma was in a high category on his own for some of those metrics. But then you look at what Body Shield is doing on the ball. So it's kind of given me this Zuma, you know, kind of Christensen hybrid. Um, and I'm really, really encouraged by what we've seen out of the young man um, so far in such a short amount of time with the club. And, and we'll get into this, but also probably listening to Thiago Silva speak French to him helps a lot, too. Um so, there, you know, there's been uh, a lot of negativity surrounding the club and the results, specifically post-World Cup. Um, but now that, you know, it looks like to me we're getting a little bit more stabilized. Like we had the Felix performance against Fulham, although we lost that match. I think you would argue pretty well if he would have kept it to, you know, 11 v 11, it probably would have ended our way. Then we turn around a 1-0 against Crystal Palace, turn around a 0-0 at Anfield, a really, really difficult ground to, to go and get a clean sheet at all, let alone a draw. So, um, you know, I, I do want to get your thoughts from the match a lot. Uh, was there anything that stood out to you uh, more than anything else? Were there any standout moments or players or analysis that you had? Because I, I think where I would go with mine is Badia Shield looks like a great, and as I just went through, I think he looks like a great signing. And this guy, even though he's so young, he looks very composed and assured on the ball. And yet we'll still have the, you know, kind of aerial and physical presence to to, to, to succeed in this league, in the Premier League. Um, and I think some of the other positives were, you know, Mudrik, <laughs> Mudrik in, a, what, 30 minutes or so? Man, he really impressed me. Um, didn't get really the goals, but a lot of what he was doing was so impressive. And and I thought Connor Gallagher had a strong match, um, stronger than we had seen in the past. Um, 
So I think that's two good matches in a row from Gallagher. And, you know, we'll get through some of the players as we continue. But, yeah, let's get, you know, so Ola, what are some of your first, like, standout thoughts from the match against Liverpool? Yeah, I, I think the there were not many standout moments in the match, but I did like what I saw from, first of all, from Ziyech and then from Modric, the, the Ziyech-Modric connection when he came on. Uh, I think one of the things that, that should I say helped Ziyech or made Ziyech's coaching successful was he, he, he always had players running onto the back post expecting his cross. And I think when in Modric, he has someone who has caught on to the fact that Ziyech is very good with crossing to the back post. So when next they are both on the pitch, he'll probably make his runs earlier and be more prepared to shoot. Uh, the other thing that I notice about Badia Shield is that when 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 we're talking about the Lisandro Martinez thing and many many said oh he's very good on the ball he's tenacious he's many things he's just not tall and I said why not get a player with all those things but also tall I mean it's it's not uh, it's not the 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 it doesn't have to be one or the other and I've I've always been convinced that there are players in the market. You just have to find them. And it seems like Chelsea found one in 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 Badia Schiller. I mean, he's I think he has contested eleven aerial duels and won nine of them or something like that. So his his aerial numbers are very very good. He's very good on the ground. His composure is very good. His passing is superb. He he had some, I wouldn't say shaky moments, because when you're playing against Mohamed Salah, you can't really have an impeccable game. But he did have some moments where Salah tried to get past him at some point. But I'll say he held his own pretty well. And for a 21-year-old in a new league, I'll say that's very good. But the other part of it is he's played over 100 uh, League One appearances. And I think it was Conte who made mention of young players needing... 100 appearances before they can play for Chelsea or something like that. But when young players get experience and that is credit to Monaco because about 2-3 years ago, I think it was, Badiashile was making quite a lot of errors. And because of his playing style, he would rush into the midfield to try and stop an attack and he would get dribbled past and get turned. And some people complained about how he positions his body when he's tackling and when he's tracking players. But he has come a long way from there. And credit to Monaco for sticking with him, even through all those things. That's the only way you develop players, really. I think the the other performance I have to, to mention is Thiago Silva. You know, he complements Badiashile so well. And he, I mean, he made, he made three blocks, very important blocks as well, against Liverpool. And if not for those blocks, I think, I'm not sure if Kepa would have gotten down fast enough to get to, to to make some of those saves. So ultimately there were there were not that many performances that you can or or many moments in the game because it was a an unsurprising nil nil draw. When you when you watch the game and you got to the end of the game, you were not that angry that you know, there was no goal score. I, I think the way things are now, I think uh Ziyech looks like he should be starting, though we're getting a lot of offers from 
clubs to buy to buy him, and I don't think now is the time to sell him. So now might be the time to sell him because he's playing well now. He was in a transfer window. But yeah, I think the 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 Liverpool game showed some signs. We were not open like we were in in, in previous matches. We looked better structurally. So that might just be the players turning up for the, the Liverpool game. Like Liverpool turns up for the City game, no matter how bad they are playing. So it may just be that. But like I said, against Crystal Palace, we have to see more of this against Liverpool. And we did. We got another clean sheet in Europe. I can't remember when last we had that, probably 2019. But yes, we, we, we got another clean sheet in a row and, and it was it was good to see. The 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 more time Potter has with the players in training and with the new signings too. The new signings have looked very good. So we, we are yet to try all of them, but it's it's encouraging, it's encouraging signs so far. So yes, we just we just want to keep improving. Like I said in, in earlier pod, it's not to come in and challenge. That's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for him to start hitting 92 points instantly. But incremental improvement, and I can say that we are beginning to see incremental improvement. Looking for consistent things in subsequent matches, and then from there we can get to winning games, getting three points, challenging for the league, and, you know, so it's 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 a gradual process, but the process has to be there, and the process is beginning to show up now. Players are coming back from injuries, so we should expect so, to see more familiar faces in the line. Yeah, so there's a really good point you make there. Like this process is starting to show, right? Um, you know, do you want to like elaborate elaborate a bit more on that? Because I think that's that is something we've me and you we talked about in our in our podcast group chat with everybody about the process and you know you've seen on the timeline on twitter and social media and fans there's so much made about potter's process like what what about the process now you think you're starting to see that's that maybe is making you a bit a bit more convinced than before i would say maybe the pressing we seem to press better now because potter clearly wants to off the ball he clearly wants to press he doesn't want to sit back in a block and defend he wants to press and win the ball in strategic areas of the pitch, which, to be fair, is very difficult to, to to achieve. But I thought before he was... I don't really know what the plan is, but there were times when I saw us pressing really high, really wide, leaving players like Thiago Silva and Aspi to, to mop up and help us to run out from his goal every time. And while, you know, it's... We can't, we can't we can't pretend that all these players are so good that injuries shouldn't matter. That's not how it works, really. But I still maintain that we probably shouldn't be tense with the players that we have that are fit. But the other thing is, I saw a lot of Potter should get time because Ateta did, or Potter should get time because Club did. And Club getting time is not reason another manager should get time, if you know what I mean. We have to see things with Potter. Potter has to, we have to see things that give us a reason to give Potter time based on Potter's merit. Not because if all you have on he should get time is another manager got time. The, the circumstances are different, and his circumstances are different from others. I our to be fair, our our movement in the in the transfer market has been better too. I mentioned us 
going after Malogosto, the right back from Marseille. And I I think depending on regimes to come back in and save our season, more or less. Because we're in a situation where people are like, oh, uh, regimes hasn't been fit. When regimes comes back, things should be better. But that's a lot of pressure on regimes, who is probably going to be recovering from injuries. He's not going to feel the same way kicking, crossing, running, tackling. All those things are going to matter. And when we, when he comes back into the lineup, people forget, or maybe not forget, or people quickly look at him as regimes back in the lineup. We should be getting the same things we're getting. And it may not particularly work that way. And if it doesn't work that way, then we're in trouble because he's our best right back by distance. And if we we hope he comes back in and instantly kicks off and he doesn't kick off, then it means we're back to Chaluba and Aspi at, at right back, which many people have also complained about. So I think, I think our I'm... movement in final third is good. Yeah, I think that Chaluba is certain... I was going to say, I think the Chalaba is starting to show a bit more right back. And and we even in the podcast chat, I remember that week we were saying that uh, whenever he was playing at like right center back and three at the back, like, hey, he might be able to like do some shifts over right back yeah, right now. Yeah. We just, I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast, but we, we definitely talked about it behind the scenes quite a bit. And now we're seeing him take that role. And I think that part of why we're seeing him take that role and, and I think that there is a method to where I'm going with this. You know, you talked about the, the, the system and the process, starting to see those things with Potter. I think that what Potter was doing, and I alluded to this, I think, in our first podcast episode after the World Cup, that, you know, I think that Potter was trying to show us these older players like Azpilicueta. Look, he got those couple of starts at right back and or right wing back or either or, right? And, and it's clear as day that his – his abilities just are not what they used to be. And that's not personal. That's not a, that's not a negativity to Asquoqueta. That's the reality that he aged. He got older. And as you age, your, your neurons fire slower, your reactions are less, your ability to repeat reactions is lower. I mean, so everything about you just starts to degradate as you age. And and that, that's where Asquoqueta is. So where I'm going with this is that right now we, so we, we let Potter show us that, Azpilicueta really doesn't have the ability to do this anymore at the at the capacity of a starting player that's going to do anything anything more than rotational starts in, in you know cup games or maybe some substitute appearances here and there. You know we saw that he doesn't really have that ability. Um, I think that we now Kuwabali got exposed pretty hard um, or pretty badly over the you know the, recently since the World Cup has ended and he's come back to Chelsea, right? We've seen a lot of cool Bali getting roasted um, and yeah. not really able to affect matches. This even the way that body is is. And then even with body is you look at his work in, in partnership with Silva and it immediately looks better than what we've had. And I don't think that you yeah. can tell me that it's just, well, uh, we're playing, you know, lesser teams now. I'm not going to buy that because it isn't that no, Crystal – I don't buy that Crystal Palace and Liverpool don't have as good of a tax as Fulham or somebody like that. I don't I don't really get into that. So I don't think it's a quality of opponent. I think that we're starting to see that, you know, Koulibaly, Azulaqueta, these older guys, they're phasing out. Jorginho, like he's having some good matches. Don't be wrong. Jorginho's having some good matches. But, right, we're – and then an attack. Like we have a lot of these same guys that are now getting phased out. And ironically, Ziek is the one that's now getting minutes. 
even though we have Mudrick and we'll see what happens when Felix is back and how that front three shakes out. But what I, what I, I, I guess I'm pointing all this out because what I really find interesting is now that we're starting to make some, we're not really changing systems or formations. It doesn't really look like tactics are changing that much. And the reason I don't think the tactics are changing all that much is because like when we look back at that four nil defeat at city in the FA cup, the only real tactical thing I was seeing throughout the match was the principle was build from the back, build, build up play starts in the back and then it progresses forward. And then look at what we did in, against Liverpool this past week. Do you, I don't know like if you noticed as much. I, maybe I noticed it just because I think I did. But I to me, it felt like all I was seeing a lot in the first and the second half were patterns of play that would ultimately go to the center backs first or always reset to the center backs to try to choose a better moment to get in behind the very high line of Liverpool. But it always was like, if we didn't see something immediately, boom, we'll hit it back and it'll eventually go to Silva and eventually work its way to the right and then back to the left. And then we'll get to that attacking third. And if there's nothing, we'll put it back and go to the third back, you know, go to the three at the back and reset and try to find it. To me, that's more of what we were selling. And we even saw a lot to that, to that effect, Jorginho dropping into spaces right in between the two center backs to res- basically be that passing middle outlet to beat the press to get us forward on our buildup play. We saw a lot of that going on. So I think that there are key things that we're seeing now with our tactics that we've been seeing. Now we're just starting to execute them a bit more. Um, but we're also starting to see younger players use in these roles, right? And I think that you mentioned, Rook, we were pressing much harder to press hard across the, and pressing as a team function, right? To have that team level process go of hard pressing up the pitch, you, you can't do that with old people. You can't have old players. They don't have the ability to maintain actions enough to do that. So I think that what we saw Potter do a little bit of was expose some of these older players and, and expose some of the attackers that I think they're just not they're just not I, working for this system, really. And I think that's some sort of what we were seeing. I think we should. I think we may want to hold up, hold up on the he's exposing the older players. I say that because there's an element there. There's an element of that that looks like you know he he played the trusted players, which are mainly older players, and you know we're not getting the results, we're not getting the performances, and our younger players are in. But I don't think. For instance, uh, the oldest player in the squad is still in the squad, playing consistently, and his role has not particularly changed. Uh, I, I think the only player that we, I can say did not meet the physical demands was Aspi. I don't know what the problem with Kulibali was. I just think maybe it's Kulibali supposed to be playing Silva's role and just can't play Silva's role because Silva is playing Silva's role and is playing it to Thiago Silva's level and you can't just come in and bench him because he's 38. I mean, you have to outperform him. You have to show the world that he's 38. And he's not saying that right now. He's, he's our best center back. I think, as for Aspilicueta, I, I I still maintain that Aspilicueta, we already knew this about Aspilicueta. There was nothing that was shown to us about Aspilicueta because at the beginning of the season, many Chelsea fans were happy to see him live on his own terms. And the next thing we knew, he was getting a, a, a contract extension. And it was weird to everyone because it was like, I thought he was growing. It would have been better for him to go. Then we would have been forced to buy a, a, a ride back. 
I think against the Liverpool, I think we played more of a back three, really. With Jet playing like a right wing back three. But it, it was probably something in and out of possession. It's all just semantics. But I think the fair play to fair play to, to Potter. He dropped Kulibali after trying and trying to, to make him work. Kulibali was dropped, but Shile entered and, and looked magnificent and he hasn't looked back. I don't think Badeshile is getting dropped anytime soon. I I think as for the midfield, if the midfield I was getting, I think the arguments can be made for the defense. But I don't think there was a need to show Aspi as the slow player that uh, is getting on in eight. There was no need for that. All we needed to do was get a, a new right back or get a backup right back and would have been in a, more, in a much better position from the beginning of the season. Anyway, I, I think Luis Hall played midfield. I think he played central midfield against Liverpool. Or it seemed to was playing that way anyway. He didn't really have a good game. I don't think Chico Emeka had a good game either. I don't think he had a good game the game before that. I think I don't subscribe to the I don't fully subscribe anyway to the uh, his style is better executed by younger players because at the end of the day he still needs competent players to execute the style. Being young doesn't make you ready for a gegen press. You know, it doesn't make you ready for a Liverpool style of play, if you get what I mean. So I think he's doing well to integrate this player. I I, I thought Lewis Hall played better as a left wing back than as a central midfield. Which is surprising because many people said he's a central midfielder. But that's why when you get to the top level, many players' positions are changed. And then 10 years into their careers, people say, oh, he was once a goalkeeper, he was once a striker, now he's playing centre back or whatever it is. I think the as as for the midfield, it may be more coordination. Because we mentioned about Conor Gallagher that before Gallagher was playing high octane. 500 miles an hour, running around. He's supposed to be a, a, a central midfielder, but he's pressing the left back, he's pressing the right back, he's pressing the goalkeeper, and you know there's no coordination to the press. I, I think the, the the effectiveness of pressing is the measured and controlled nature of it, not the volume of it. Because when you press, just press, and you know you, you don't get anywhere because pressing requires you to be out of position. And when you run out of a position and you are not smart about it, you are exposed and they pass around you and, you know, you are, you are out of the way. So I think it's, we're pressing better now, not particularly more, but better. I, I agree that Kulibali has not had a good season. That I, I noticed it honestly since the Southampton game under Tuku. He, he hasn't looked good in, in, in the Premier League. And I, um, I don't subscribe to the the league is too difficult for him. He's not Premier League quality. I don't subscribe to any of that. He's been a traditional two at the back, left centre back all his all his life. And then he came in into Chelsea and then he had to play high pressure. He had to enter Rudiger's role. He had to play uh, left centre back. I'm not making excuses for him, but he he is in a new league and he's 31, which is what made the signing. Maybe we didn't think that through. But you know. Yeah, there's nothing that can be said about Kulibali. He's been dropped, just like Mendy and Kepa. Mendy was dropped. Kepa came in, played well. There's nothing else to be said. There. So, so, so there's that. I, I think I'll be very, very careful with the, with fully subscribing to that line of thought because there are many things that I saw. Even when Regimes was in the side, we're having uh, those problems, and 
now we are no longer having the problems before resumes comes back. And I mentioned we have to start playing well before the players, the, the key players are expecting come back. Felix resumes too well, and 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 whoever the rest of them are maybe Sterling is Sterling counting to that. But we we have to start playing well so that when they come, they are not under so much pressure to turn us into turn us from a rubbish team to a good team. If you get what I mean. So there is that. I think I understand the point you are making, and it does make a lot of sense. He did try a lot with Kulibali. So from that angle, I can agree in the Kulibali aspect. I can agree that he did try a lot with Kulibali. Even when I, I, Kulibali was dropped like two, three games after I expected him to be. I expected that he would have gone to Badashile. And I didn't know how Badashile would do, but I just expected he would be tried. And he played well and he has come in and he's here to stay. So I, I also think that there may be there may be an element of us playing that way because it was Liverpool. Because I remember that when Liverpool were having a bad season, they played against City, beat City, and then just went back to being <laughs> to having a bad season anyway. So there, there may be an element of that. But we did see encouraging signs from Liverpool and I can't I can't deny that because I want to, you know, push whatever agenda I see. We did see signs from Liverpool. We just have to continue seeing these things in, in future. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where we go in the future, and I I think I agree with you a lot, and that you know like cool Bali just didn't really work out, and, and not nothing against him, it just hasn't worked for him in this system, and that's cool. He was great in a lot of other systems, and we were honestly probably three to four years too late to make that move. Had to be made exactly. it three to four years yeah. earlier when we brought like Jorginho and Maurizio Sarri over, it probably would have worked out really really well, and yeah. we'd probably be in the process of moving him on now after getting four to five great years out of him um it's you know he can't help those things but he can help educate right he can help teach and mentor and do that as well as Thiago Silva because we got a lot of young center backs at the club right now between you know Treva is kind of in that mix he's sort of in between but then you've got the body of shield you've got Fofana right we're gonna have Levi Colwell likely coming back next year so there's, I can see some merit to keeping Koulibaly around financially, maybe not. But that's a whole other story, and I want I, to get it. I think, I think, I think the merit to keeping him around is that we can't offload him, so we don't have to be happy to keep him. Yeah, I mean, the only way that we're going to offload him is for like a twenty million dollar move, you know, and, and that's yeah. going to be a sizable loss at that point. But yeah. you know, maybe we'll we got to do what's best for club and player, and I'm sure we'll approach that later in the season. Um, you know, I think the match, you know, very much spot on, like a lot of stuff. I think today, or, you know, that the match against Liverpool was when we really started to see more of a system more consistencies starting to see, not just to me, I think it was easier for probably everybody to see the system, right? Because it was hard to see it when you're just getting your ass kicked into the ground, like yeah. again and again and again by, by Pep and city, but it's a lot easier to see it when it's actually working or at least maybe not working in the sense that it's getting goals, but it's working from a build-up play and a structure and a control in the match. And, you know, Liverpool, despite their weak position and being equal with us on points, you know, it's not like they're a bad, just a terrible team either. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of positives. Despite it being a nil-nil draw, at least I thought it was a pretty – I walked out of there feeling pretty positive, like when I got done with the match. Yeah, I I was positive. A second clinch in a row was very good for us. Yeah, I mean, and it's an incredibly tough place to play going back – forever basically i can remember as a chelsea fan we don't go to anfield and get too many wins um we usually go and get losses and you know maybe some draws here and there 
But, you know, I, it, it's very tough to go to Anfield and not let Liverpool score. Um, and we did. We did that. So have to be very encouraged with that. Defensively, that's where things have been a mess all season. We've talked at length um, about how many shots we're conceding per game um, and how that's, you know, we're, we're at our first, we're at, we are at our worst point in terms of um, shots allowed per game since the 2015, 2016 season. So, you know, when we finished 10th place, like we're 10th place right now. So it really has been an awful season in so many regards. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the season, even the preseason, it was terrible. Uh, I, I was there. It sucked. Uh, we, we looked, we looked in that match against Arsenal. Like we weren't even supposed to be in the same competition. Exactly. Um, and, and the manager told us straight up after the game, it's not going to get better until we sell half of this team. Um, you know, and sure enough, we've got a new guy in. It takes a long time. Now we're starting to see some results. We're getting a lot of young players in. You look at all this recruitment, it is all young guys. Like, it is very clear we have a targeted market now in the in, in transfers, and that is get these young guys that have obvious, demonstrable talent because the way I think Potter is wanting to play is not going to be conducive to, like, cool bollies. And, you know, Thiago Silva probably is going to age out much sooner rather than later. And that's a conversation nobody probably wants to have within the fan base. Um, it, it's just going to happen. You know, we've seen it happen with so many players that they just overnight, they're, they're just different. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Con to, to Thiago Silva kind of getting ahead of myself with Conte there. Um, it's another player you could kind of argue about how he'll age going forward. But, you know, until we get, until we reach that point, I think we just got to keep playing Thiago Silva as much as we can without risking overload and injury um, because yeah. his influence on body of shield is way too massive. And I think that we're going to see a lot going forward with Mudrick. And I, I mean, I am yeah. so excited to think about the idea of Mudrick, Felix and Nkuku running the front line next year with, um, you know, maybe, or maybe we drop one of those guys into the, a cam role and get a, get an out and out forward. It's been, you know, some Dusan Vlahovic talk right now because Juventus are uh, basically competing for nothing the rest of the season. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting the rest of the season. We're not really going to win anything in my opinion, but I think we're going to compete for a lot. We're going to start to show a lot better performances. Um, so I, I want to now get to some listener questions and we can hit a few of these. Um, we got, we got a handful of them to go through. Um, so the first one comes in from, uh, Chelsea FC sky or at Chelsea FC sky on Twitter. Um, and she's asking, what is our honest assessment of Mason Mount? He has always had the same faults in his game, but why do you think they, why do you think those are only now being noticed today? Um, so I'll, I'll start with this. I think the honest assessment of Mason Mount is that nobody wants to have an honest conversation about Mason Mount. I think that's my honest assessment. Nobody wants to have an honest conversation about the guy. The honest conversation, in my opinion, is that he's been a great player for us for a couple of years now. But I think around the calendar, when the calendar turned to 2022, things declined. Things have declined since then, progressively. It's been a progressive decline. And that's not good, right? So while he's been a great player for us for a long time, that has nothing to do, nothing at all to do with today. Today, what I see is a player that can't do the basics, that doesn't look all that interested on the field. Is he, He's not even doing any of the things that made him good which were hard to describe in 
football action terms to begin with. But I think that a lot of people are asking the question now, when the goals of the assist disappear out of his game, when he's being played in his, you know, what we hear is the preferred position, central midfield, it's just, he's not a winger, right? He's not a winger. So he doesn't work on the wings and he's getting shuffled there because of injuries. When he is in his preferred central central mid position, I don't see this season much more effectiveness out of him there than I do on the wing, which were it's completely ineffective. So I think that my honest assessment of Mason Mount is we're at a we're at a time where he's a player that's had a lot of relative individual success for this club, and he's in a really bad year. You know, great players have down years; it happens. And I'm not trying to equate Mason Mount to being equal, but like Eden Hazard during our 10th place season was just, I mean, he was putrid almost the entire year. And then, you know, he figured it out, turned it around the next season and and won a title with Antonio Conte and was a great player. So I, I don't think that we should say that what's going on right now with Mason Mount is how it's always going to be with Mason Mount. Um, You know, I, I think that, yeah, I I, I just think that, what's going on right now happens and where we are is that he, he needs to be benched. And I think that, you know, I think that's where we are realistically. I don't think that there's anything about his game right now that's deserving of starts and minutes. He, he just injuries or whatever aside, I, I there's gotta be somebody that can offer more at a basic level than him at this point. And it's sad that this is where we are with him. It'd be sad if we were at this point with any of our players, right. That have been great for us for a long time, but this is where we are, and I think that's the truth. Um, what is your assessment of the Mason Mount situation right now, Ola? Yeah, I think the 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 Mason Mount thing is an interesting one because it had to get this bad before people started talking about it and people started trying to have a conversation. Like you said, I think one of the main problems. I think one of the main problems we have we, we have with Mount is. No one wants to actually talk about Mount. It's either they, they are trying to control the conversation, strictly control the conversation on Mount, a kind of control they don't have with other players. I don't like to do what about him, but Messi Mount is an attacker in this Chelsea school. Everyone has talked about how the attack has been bad. I've argued that the players are not bad. It's Sometimes it's usage, sometimes it is. It depends on, on you know, I've made a lot of arguments. But I have not disputed the fact that they have underperformed. I have never disputed that fact. I've only talked about why they have underperformed. Messi Mount is part of this attack. And somehow, he's the one guy who the rule doesn't apply to. It is baffling. Because last season, he, he, I think, was it last season where he got 11 goals and, and 10 assists? And I said after after this, the, 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 the season that a lot of Mount's numbers are that way because of his usage. He gets used a lot. He plays a lot of minutes. And a lot of these minutes are not justified. His work rate of the ball is not a good reason to play a player at the top level. You're playing for Chelsea football club. Let's let's get real. We watched other teams play. Pressures, pressures won are not something that you tout for a player at the highest level. 
pick any player that is a short starter in, in any, you can instantly see why they're short starters. Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, Jeremy Hoybe, James Ward Proud. You can instantly see why they are short starters. When you, you when you talk about Messi Mount and people go, oh, oh, how he feels about the club. It's irrelevant. I can't emphasize enough how irrelevant how you care about the club. If Barashile comes out today and says, I don't really care about Chelsea that much. I'm just here to do my job and please do it to the best of my ability. Some people will say, oh, then he's dead to me. He, it doesn't matter to me. We need competence. At the highest level, competence is what matters. Fabrica said he would never play for Chelsea. He came to Chelsea, played well, won his trophy, left the standing ovation. No one came, no, no one said, oh, why, why would we clap for him? Because he, he didn't like us anyway. He's out of his ass. It's irrelevant. Players are mercenaries. Even Messi Mount. I don't understand why we... What, what, what kills me? Every time Messi Mount is criticized, it's part of us abuse. When you call him out for having a bad game, people go, well, every other person had a bad game. Even when other people did it. Now, this season, the only thing that has qualified the Mount criticism is every attacker has been bad. But every attacker has been bad. But he has played double the means of any other attacker. So if they're all bad, why does he keep playing as much minutes as he does? It's just crazy. Yeah, I've, not it's... Why... yeah I've, I've not gotten into why I actually, what I actually think about Mason Mount. But it's, it's crazy the, the way the discourse is controlled around it. Yeah, I, I, about what I think about Messi Mount, I think many people are wrong in their assessment of him. I've seen people say he's not good enough to play for the club. We need to get... I think that's nonsense. I don't think Chelsea is Real Madrid that you have to be Tony Cruz to qualify to play for the club. I think that's just too too far. It's too far off to one side. I think the he's the best player at the club. He's world-class. He's also too far off to another side. I don't think he's an average player. I think there are players in the league that are average, and you can tell they're average. I don't think he's an average player. I think he's a very good player that has his weaknesses and his strengths. Every player in the squad, in many squads all over the world, has strengths and weaknesses. doesn't make them bad players. That is just who they are. When Rudiger played in a back four, he looked shaky. He's playing in a back four now at Real Madrid, and he looks shaky. When he played in a back three, he looked much better. It's fine. Every player cannot have the same traits. Every player can have the same characteristics. But his, even his chance creation numbers are heavily influenced by minutes played. Because when you break it down to when you break it, when you break his big chances, chances, ex expected assists, when you break them down to per 90, you realize that it it doesn't come out top. And if a player is leading the league or leading a stream in, in the metric and it's not leading the, the stream for 90, you know, there's a way it looks, there's a way the data looks when you break it down that it seems he's playing a lot of minutes and he's, and he's gathering his team. Last season, he, he created, a, I think, four big chances out of the 10 he created all season. Was it six? He created four or five big chances against Norwich alone. And while I don't want to go down the, he only shows up against bottom three teams. He has not been consistent. Even last season, he wasn't consistent. He had a lot of bad games last season. And there are people who think he doesn't have bad games, which is ridiculous because why would a player that isn't world-class not have bad games? 
he's not as consistent as people say he is. He is consistent in pressing, but that is that's not something that we can. We're not going to 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 give you a plaque for pressing every game. What are you going to do if you're not pressing? I mean, if you are off the ball, you are going to do something. You either run or you have to do something. So, I think he's not he's not in the not good enough to play for Chelsea category. I think that's ridiculous. I think the also the excuse of or the the point of he won player of the season two years in a row is not a point. I'm sorry, that's not the point. That's a fan voted award. That's not the performance award. That's a fan voted award. I don't think he should have won it last season. The season that won the Champions League, he wasn't our best player in the team. I maintain that that season. I'm going to say it now, and I'm not saying it now because it's coming under a lot of heat. I maintain it last season. In the Champions League, he was not our best player in the Champions League. He wasn't. In the league, he was. But, I mean, it, it just comes down to people are so protective of him. And the same people who are protective of him say he comes under too much hate. I don't understand. How can he come under too much hate? William turned up his comments on Twitter. Alvaro Morata was booed from the club and was still getting booed months after he had gone. Alvaro Morata was literally diagnosed with clinical depression. Exactly. We've seen Marcos Alonso got... The fact that Marcos Alonso left this club and went to Barcelona and just kept on from there is testament to Marcos Alonso. Marcos Alonso and Andreas Christensen... Sorry, just to cut in, because you're making a great point that... It's funny that two guys that were always criticized for their character and their footballing ability, Marcus Alonso, that's a whole other conversation because some yeah. of the stuff that he's done off the field is abhorrent and that part of that's part of that character indictment on him. However, in my view, look, court said this is your sentence. So I, I people make mistakes and people grow and learn from mistakes it doesn't excuse it doesn't make anything right but i just don't think it's appropriate to beat somebody over the head of a mistake that they made a decade ago right so that yeah. that was part of it with him but and then you get on a christensen in the character side and he was always criticized i don't want i don't want to if you're a Chelsea fan you know the words that were used to criticize him i don't really need yeah. to use those words on this podcast they, they involve female anatomy you can figure it out from there um and I mean, so his character was attacked all the time. His ability was attacked some, pretty much the same with Marcus Alonso. Um, those two guys are now the starting center back partnership for Barcelona, who's yeah, conceded yeah, six some, goals in 17 fans. games. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's so funny that uh, we, we criticize these players for these things and then they go elsewhere and, yeah, they're great. What do you know? My, 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 my thing has always been, the way we criticize fans in this, in the, we criticize players in this fan base is not the way you should criticize players. You don't go, ah, this game has showed me he's not a good player. This game has showed me he doesn't, he's not fit to wear the shirt. This game has showed me he can't make it in this league. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Players have good games and players have bad games. Before Van Dijk went for 75 million to Liverpool, there were some games you'd have watched him in. You would not pay 75 million for him. The way to criticize players is criticize them on a game-by-game basis. If they have bad games, three games in a row, you can say this player has been poor. Otherwise, it is he had a bad game, he had a good game. But at Chelsea, it is they they, they make conclusions on the player, yeah. then they watch the game. 
And then when the player does what confirms their bias in the 78th minute, they go, yep, yep. told him, told him he can't, he can't do this for us. And and every other thing he did in that game is relevant. Then yeah. they come into the next game looking for another error so they can add to the error that they had before and go, yep, that's two errors now. I mean, what, what else do you want to see? It doesn't make any sense. And that's the same thing that was done with Mount. Mount has a bad game. When we say he has a bad game, it is, oh, why are you coming on to Mount? The others had a bad game too. But Mount also had a bad game. Yeah. They are not... It's crazy because they don't dispute. Sometimes they don't dispute that he has had a bad game. All they're just saying is, well, don't mention his name. Why are you mentioning his name? Just the the, the common that. phrase, the common phrase is pretty much verbatim. If you watch that game and think Mason Mount is the problem, you need to give your exactly. head a wobble. That that's exactly. that's the phrase that just everybody just throw it out, throw it out because Everybody else sucks, so how dare you say that Mason Mount isn't good enough? Because he's it's, just it's around funny, a bunch bro. of terrible players. It's not his fault. He's our he's our captain. He, he, you know he does this and that. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm getting yeah, a little bit on a rant here, and I, so I'm going to stop and let you be more it's, composed. It's sorry. They are about to be, people. People people regard him as a player who should start every game, and you can't have it both ways. No. Because people want to, people want to, to have their cake and eat it, or eat their cake and have it. You cannot say a player should start every game. Then when he starts every game, we demand things from players who start every game. And then you go, well, what do you want from him? He's just 22. Now people go, he's just 24. I was watching a YouTube video today that I had to, I had to, I just had to close it up because I couldn't do it anymore. Someone said he's not the finished product and he's he's still very... No, he's not. Haaland is breaking the Premier League. He's, he's about to smash the goal-scoring record at 22. Uh, so, uh, the whole finished product argument... I mean, the guy's 24 years old and he's been playing top-flight ball since he was, like, 18. Do you understand? I mean, like, it's, 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 the, the excuses made for him are he's good enough to play every game. He should start every game. He's that good, but he's not so good that you should expect consistent good performances every game. It can't be the two. No. no when when you. when when we all slandered, well, maybe not slandered, but we all Kevin De Bruyne came under a lot of heat after the the World Cup. He didn't score. He didn't assist. He created no clear cut chance. Yeah. Even in the game that Lukaku. Caught, got and missed four big chances. KDB didn't create any of them. He came out of that World Cup. He was rightly criticized. You are one of the best players in that team. You first of all said they are not old. They are too old. You didn't have a good World Cup performance. A lot of his under nine numbers, interestingly, were very good. Passed into the final third, progressive passes, all the usual things. Final product just wasn't there. He was criticized. He's a 400k a week player. It is not outrageous to criticize a player that has that kind of a World Cup performance. He came back to City and he's been doing his thing. Every player in every team that starts every game, you can look at that player and see why they start every game. That is my point. And we don't defend those players with pressures, well, half tongues. Uh, he 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 he, he, he touches tight. He has passion. At the top level, 
passion can get you into the thing. It can get you all the way to the top. And when we talk about what he offers off the ball, what what does what, what does Mount offer? Why should he start every game? Because of what he offers off the ball. Why Just, would the player start every game and demand a new contract or that kind of money because of what he does off the ball? Off the ball in a team that 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 has 64% possession, 62, 63% possession of the ball. You, you don't play for West Ham. I think I, I've said a lot of things without actually saying what I think about Messi Mount. So I, I probably should just get to that. People are probably tired of hearing me not give Messi Mount praise. <laughs> but I think I think Messi Mount is a good player. I think he's a very good addition to a team that is that is functioning very well. I don't think he's a winger. He has played wing a lot. He has played right wing a lot. He has played left wing a lot. People say his best position is in the center of the park. I think he's very good in a midfield three when the when the conditions are right. I think he has qualities like he has very good technique. Yeah. He's a very good ball carrier. He presses well. That he does. He's a very good crosser of the ball. I think he has good shooting technique. I think his vision is poor, very poor. I think his decision-making is questionable and has been for a long time that we should start complaining about it actively. Though I don't suggest that we, we go abusing him after every game. I think yeah. we there are things we've seen in this game consistently that we expect to have changed that haven't changed. And interestingly, I, was, I will end this by saying this. A lot of the problem I have with Mount is not with Mount. I, I, Mount comes out of games. I look at his performance and I go, eh, it's not, it's not, it didn't, it didn't light up the world. Sometimes I look at it and I go, he played quite well. Sometimes I look at it and I go, he was poor. But when I, when I agree, he didn't have a good game. I, I look away and then I come to the timeline and then I see just how fantastic was Mount in that game. It, it's like, just, it's just nonsense. It, it's just nonsense that we shouldn't it, pay it, attention to. It's it's I I I just I just go I mean he has a good game he gets effusive praise. Yep. He has an average game he gets effusive praise. Yep. He has a poor game and then the whole team gets blamed. Yep. <laughs> I would like that kind of PR in my life. You know, and, and, and whether it's yeah, like whether it's PR or very, it's whatever. When he, plays, it's true. when he doesn't play well, he should be benched like everybody. Yeah, every it, it, player in this team has been benched. Sorry, every player in this team has been benched and they've not played well. We've all accepted it. Yeah. Mart has not played well, and not only is he not benched, it his stats have been justified. I see a lot of fans saying, Well, he 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 will always play, you can't expect him not to play. I'm not saying he should be released on a free. I'm saying if he's not playing well and other players are, are performing better than him, there is no reason he should continue to play. The whole point of a merit-based system is people play on merit and are dropped on merit. If you if you say the amount has been our best player for the past two years, okay, fine. Now is he did he still play because he has been our best player in because he had that assist for Harvard in in, in, in May 2021? Should we should we pick Kovacic every single match because he won player of the year in 2000? I mean, what is it, 19? Edward Edward Mendy won the Champions League in record-breaking fashion. He did. He was consistent in the league for two years. He was having a bad season. The defense was poor, granted, 
but he was having a bad season. He wasn't having a good season. He got injured. Kepa came in, played better. We all saw Kepa playing better. Kepa remained in the lineup. It's not complicated. No one is arguing your status in the squad. You, you, you are a, a player that starts every game because of your consistency or your perceived yep. consistency. That's fine. Yep. When you stop showing that consistency, there should be consequences for that. At the uh, top and, level, and, we can't we can't keep doing things based on what happened two years ago. Yeah, and we can't, and we have to move on from that. And yeah. I just think that to summarize, like the Mount conversation, and you know, there's there's a whole lot of nonsense that's out there. Players, you know, or I don't know what the hell am I saying. There's a whole lot of people out there that are hoping the player like fails, which that's not. That's just silly. That's just nonsense. That yeah. nobody is better off to listen to. And then you have like the nonsense crew that just. Like you said, when he plays well, it's a fluent praise. When he plays average, it's a fluent praise. When he plays poorly, it's basically praise masqueraded as a, a backhand exactly, comment to yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Right? So the, the equation there is you got one side of this camp that wants to say everything this guy does and touches is just is, is, is wrong, it's bad, everything sucks. You got the other side that want to never acknowledge any of that ever being true, that he does make mistakes. He's not our best player. He doesn't have a, a master of a skill set. He's a jack of all trades. And, and, no, and they don't want to acknowledge that how bad his form has been. So the, where that's why I said from the beginning, when I we'll talk about this, nobody wants to have an honest conversation about it. There's yeah. too much of just pulling into either camp. And then the camp that wants to always praise him will just do it because they want to get one up over this camp that always hates him. And then it just turns into a, a one-up contest ad infinitum, ad infinitum. And all we're doing is just this chronic culture war of player stand versus player hater. And it's it just... It benefits no one. It, it benefits nobody. And I feel that like they're, it's a growing harder and harder to find fans discuss more like what we do where we're going to look at this guy and, and talk about the good and the bad and not just one or the other, because lo and behold, the world is not a binary zero one black, white outcome. It's a spectrum of outcomes, right? You can be great and you can be good and you can be terrible. And all three of those things could happen in the same, you know, nine month sequence. It's, it's yeah. all possible guys. So I, I just think that the, it's a great question from sky. Thanks for submitting that question. And it's uh, it's a debate that I think is going to continue to lack any form of objectivity if you stroll onto a Twitter timeline, because we just have too many. There are too many people with giant voices within social media that want to tell us that Mount is either great or he's either bad, and that that all is all it takes. That's all it takes for the dialogue to be about good and bad and nothing else in between. Be and and and. It, it just becomes about at this point, it just becomes about pet hypothesis and proving that right. And all I see is all there is. It, it's, it's a really unfortunate state of affairs. And I, I would honestly say that when it comes to this type of discussion regarding players at this club, Mount is far from the first one to experience this. Don't listen to what anybody says. If they say that nobody else has ever undergone what Mount has gone, you can go on Twitter right now and search Jorginho ACL, Jorginho death funny. threat. And you will see death threats and ACL threats against Jorginho dating back to like 2019. So there's a lot of nonsense out with the Mount debate right now. He is not some one of one unique outlier that's been hated upon more than anybody else. If you subscribe to that ideology and you are listening to me saying this, 
I implore, implore you to use the specific search function in Twitter and sort keywords, Jorginho, death threat, and you will get them. You will get them. And they will, they will predate anything that's ever been said about Mount. So it, it's just, this is a problem within the club and the, within the club's fans themselves. Uh -huh, yeah. This is the problem like within social media. These are the problems of influencers and you blindly listening to all the crap that they say, right? Because I can throw out statistics that make people look great, but yeah. I won't offer any context within those statistics and how that fits at team level intentions. I'm going on a rant that I'm about to not, I, I'm going to stop now because I'm about to go on a rant more than I already have. I'm going to move the mound discussion. Great question. Really enjoyed answering that one. Ola, great job yeah. as well. So the next question comes in from Pete Herman. And he's asking, do you think that Potter will stick with a back four in the future? My quick answer, absolutely. I think that we have seen, we haven't seen really any, I have not seen any major suggestions other than that one, other than the city match that we're going to do a back three. And I think that was all game plan specific and everything else post-World Cup has been a back four. So yes, Pete, I think it's, a. I, for me, it's an overwhelming yes. We're going to see a back four. I think our recruitment shows that it's a back four. We're going after a right wing back today, Gusto Malo. Uh, from Leon, who, if you are paying attention enough to Ola, wrote a scouting article identifying this right back. It was, what, a month or two ago that you wrote that article? So, yes, absolutely. I think we're going to stay in the back four. Yes. Um, what about you all? Do you think we're going to remain in the back four? Yes. I think the reason why we couldn't go to the back four before was not because of Jorginho, it was because of everything around him, more or less. I think we have, in, in Badiashile, we have a player who can help us transition smoothly to a back four. Because back four, a back four does give us some advantages that a back three doesn't. It allows us to have six players who can, who, who we can commit to midfield pressure in the final third and attack. Where in a back three, you know, you have the five and the, the three and the two, and then you have wing backs and, you know, it's a bit. So I think we, we will commit to a back four. I, I think we've looked better against them Crystal Palace and Liverpool in the back four. And I don't think Potter is going to be eager to move away from that anytime soon. Yeah, agreed. I don't think we're going to be moving off that. And Pete, Pete had a, other, a couple other questions, and I think they were pretty good to get to. He said, with the additions of Mudrick and uh, – I'm going to maybe butcher this pronunciation, but with the additions of Mudrick and uh, Mariuke, which, play, which tackers do you see not sticking around past summer of next uh, transfer window? Um, my quick answer is I don't think that we're going to see, I don't think that Ziek will stick. I don't think Polisic is going to stick. I don't think Obama Yang is going to stick. And I don't think part of me really thinks Havertz is out too. Um, I think that really one of the only attacking players we're going to see return that was a new, um, or that was not, you know, like Broya or somebody that's already been here, uh, is Sterling. I think Sterling would be the only one that's returning. Um, what about you? Who, do you see any attackers? heading out the door because I, I, there's just too many of them right now for everybody to stay. With Modric and, and Madweke, I think I, I don't I don't really think Madweke is this um, starter that then again, I, I wouldn't know until we, we watch him play. But yeah. I, with, with the addition of those two, I think Ziet is gone. Mostly because he's our most saleable asset. I mean, when people are talking about self-player, self-player, can only sell players other clubs are interested in buying. Yeah. So when you, people often talk about offloading players they don't like, like, yeah, you don't like him, but if you don't like him, there's a chance other clubs don't like him too. 
If you complain about the player constantly, it's not likely that another player will go, another manager will go. I think that's exactly what I need. So it's mostly your best assets that you sell. That's why I think Zia should probably be the first one to go. He's the only one gathering links anyway. I think Obama, I think Obama is definitely gone yeah. because he's not playing. He's not on so much money that we can't upload him. The 160k actually reduces the amount of of things that can get him, but he's 33 now, so I don't think he's going to be holding on to that wage demand. I think I don't know what becomes of Sterling because from what I saw of Modric, of Modric, to be fair, it was a 35 minute cameo, but I liked what I saw, and I think if Sterling comes back and Modric is still playing the way he is, I think Sterling is benched. And I don't know how Sterling will feel being benched because part of what we promised him or what the selling point was for him to come to Chelsea was playing time. He wasn't getting as much playing time as he wanted at City. We said, I think, I think we said we can give you that. And now he's, you know. So I, I don't know what the, the, the one thing that works in Sterling's favors, though, is that Graham Potter has basically picked Sterling every available match that he yes, can. Yes, every time. That, that is so, true. and he's so done it. Is... He's put him in multiple different roles and positions. So I, yeah. I think Sterling is going to stick, whether it's uh, he's a super sub that gets a lot of rotational starts. I just think with injuries will happen, uh, yes. form form dips will rise and fall. Sterling, I think will be. I think he he may not. I think you're right. He may not be a nailed on starter every match, but I think he's going to yeah. survive here. I don't think he's going to be gone. So I think it's mainly. I don't think Harvard is gone. I think no one pays us money for Harvard. I've said this before, and it sounds very sinister of me, but I don't think anyone pays us money for Harvard. I think what's up is Harvard. I think he's, he he stays. I think. Yeah. Ziyech goes. I think Pulisic starts looking for a club and probably goes. I think yep. Aubameyang is gone. Uh, yep. What other attacker do we have? Yeah, that's that's, that's a lot of them. <laughs> Cho yeah, is, exactly. I think that's an afterthought at this point. I think yeah, he's... Cho is not coming back. I don't think Cho is coming back. I mean, he's it's, it's not yeah. even starting at, at Leverkusen. And he's yeah. a player that people said should bench William and, and Pedro. But <laughs> it, it, it goes to say that we just have to be honest when we're evaluating players. They yep. don't have to be Ronaldo on their first in their first two games, and they also don't have to be Danny Drinkwater. Just evaluate them fairly, because Osnado was hyped so much that he didn't think he needed to go on loan. You know how how hyped you have to be to, to think you don't need a loan when it was clear to everyone that he did. That's yeah. crazy. It's so clear to anybody that's like developed plan. players that hey, this eighteen-year-old yeah. that's could get more minutes elsewhere. Is going to develop more elsewhere with more minutes. With more minutes, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking, you know. I mean, it's it's funny because I, I mentioned in in one article I wrote some probably up to a year ago or two. Loans are quite important for players' development. Tony Cruz went on loan. Mason Mount Harry went Kane. on multiple loans. Mason Mount went on loan. Rizins went on loan. Tony Cruz went. Harry Kane went on loan. So yeah, Norwich. Yeah. Well go on loan. Why yeah. does he go on loan? Going on loan doesn't mean you're not a good player. It just gives you the, the platform to fine-tune. KDB went on two loans. He went on loan to Werder Bremen, did well, came back, was sold to Wolfsburg, spent a full season there before he came to Manchester City. Yep. You, 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 make, you make a lot of mistakes as a young player. And loans give you a space to rectify those mistakes what? without being under the pressure that playing for a Chelsea or a City or whatever... Oh. Yeah, a quick example of that, how you're just, you know, to really drive that home. 
Um, look at Trevor Shalaba. He had a great exactly. one in Wee Woon. He had a great one in Wee Woon before he broke into our team last year. And then if you want to look at an even better example of what you said, refining, learning, improving on a loan. And the other thing about a loan is you get a different, you get a different exposure, a different environment, a different yeah. philosophy, new managers, new cultures. You develop more experiences. And from those experiences, yeah. you can draw more objective references about the game itself. But one of the best examples, and it happens to be one of our former players that we loaned out. That's why I'm going to keep it specific to Chelsea. Mohamed Salah went on a lot of different loans, a that lot, and he didn't succeed at first in all of them. And even his time at uh, Fiorentina, um, right? It was Fiorentina and then Roma, I think, is where I want to say he went. Those were those. Those were the. I yes, I could be yes, wrong. Yes, yes. yes. But no, he definitely no, went. Not to, in Roma. Okay, so I was right. Okay. Yeah, you're um, right. Yeah. Okay, all right. Great. I'm glad my memory, long term memory, is still working here. But uh, <laughs> right, he went to these two loans, and it, it, he and he was in Syria at Fiorentina before, and then he went Roma and blew up, right? And then he became the player he is yeah. now. Um, does that happen without those loan experiences and learning and crafting? Mm. I don't know, but that's a great point. Um, and and just to, to wrap up, Pete's final question here is: Who is a center mid target you'd like Chelsea to bring in this? window or in the summer mine's gonna be uh the real lofty I, I want Enzo Fernandez really badly um but to that point I realize how much that that would cost and we also need other midfielders so I am gonna say my number one I want Enzo Fernandez I think this guy has what we need and he would be a, a long-term asset not just a two-year one or two-year three-year player that then starts to regress I think that's a player we sign he likely only stays around where he is or improves. And then that's a giant, you know, profit when we do move him on after we've gotten production on the field. But since how much he costs and given our other needs for midfield revamping, I think if you go Enzo Fernandez and people don't like me for saying this, but I think Franck Kessier is a great player to target. Mm. You know, look at what he look at what he did and how he was played at Milan. Look at how that that role was obviously missing from our midfield at this point in time. And then look at his situation in Barcelona. He doesn't fit the system. I don't know what Barcelona, what in the hell they were thinking when they signed Cassier. No idea what they're thinking because the guy, I, I am a very casual viewer compared to somebody that runs a football club. And I can sit there and look at that and say, this guy doesn't is not from Milan to Barca. These are totally different styles. This ain't going to work. And it hasn't. It hasn't worked. So those would be my two guys that I would really go for. I think they could give us a lot of what we need. And it's not necessarily just, uh, you know, throwing $100 million at two guys. I think you could get both of those guys through the door for $120 million-ish is what we're looking at. So those would be my two choices. A lot of people will not be happy with my Franck Kessier shout, but this guy is a lot better than people give him credit for. So, And, and we know about Enzo Fernandez. So I'm those would be my two. Yeah, my, my, own two, my own two signings, none of them are DMs. Then again, neither is Enzo. But I've, I'm going to keep banging the Branko van der Boomen drum until we sign him, even if it's when he's 34. Fine. But I I've liked what I've seen from van der Boomen because he came from the... He was promoted with Toulouse. He, he blew it up in, in, in League 2 last season, uh, the French, French Second League. He did very, very well there, and he has maintained a lot of those same things in the top flight. So that's a very sustainable player. His passing range is magnificent. His crossing, 
his intelligence, his experience. I think he's 27. That's, that's my first one. I think we need someone who can be a semblance of a KDB for us, or a Fabregas for us. I don't, I'm not looking for a KDB or a Fabregas because you don't just get those. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, so, there don't tend to be very many KDBs. In yeah. Fabregas. That's right. You don't just go into the market. They're in that one of one category. <laughs> exactly. But someone of that mode, and the other player of that mode, I think, is Alex Garcia from Girona. I think he's the very, he can do a lot of the things that KDB does for City. He can do that for us, maybe not to, the, to that same level. But I think if any of those players would work, we probably need a, a Caicedo beside them because Jorginho is 32 and it seems we're phasing him out. And we do need a, someone who can sit. And neither Van der Boomin or no, Garcia are, are sitting midfielder. So I think we probably need a Caicedo. So I think we need two midfielders, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we I, and that's why I said two as well. I'm like, I'll, yeah. I'll give you the real, what I really, really want. And then if we get that, here's... You know, you're not going to be happy with this one, but I think it'll still work. But, um, yeah, I think we need two as well. Um, yeah. Our next question comes in from uh, at Prash underscore CFC. Uh, you know, shout out. You've been a huge friend of the yeah. pod and listener of the pod for a long time. So um, thanks for always having your our back and our continued support. Um, but what he's asking is uh, we've created at least three big chances in three consecutive games now. With yeah. with uh, the nine of the players coming back from injury, can we agree that Potter has found a system now, and all our players are not crap? Uh, so we we if if we kind of have answered this a little bit when we went on a little bit of your the question and answer about the when you saw more of a system from Potter. So I think I would agree that he's always had this, I, or I would agree that yes, he has found a system. But I also would say he's always had it. <laughs> he's always had the system. Um, so I think now we're starting to see the system given time and more execution is happening because of that time and continuity. Um, and I think as well with your, with your question, another part of it is, are the players not crap? Not all of them are crap. I, I I'm not, I don't think I, if I, if I've ever said like they all suck, that, that's just me being very flippant and not, not trying to be rigor, rigorous in, within my discussion about things. Um, they're not all crap. There's some of them that are that, in my opinion, need to go. Like Abamyang offers nothing, uh, and and I I don't really want to look. I don't want to bash a bunch of players here. I really don't want to do it. Um, but there's just people that offer more than others, right? And I think that the ones that offer less than others are kind of the and you can't see this, but quote unquote like crap players, right? The ones that don't perform to their contract or don't. You know, just don't show much of anything when they're on the pitch. They don't they don't make others around them better. Those are the guys. They're the passengers, right? They're the passengers of the team. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to end it there. I'll let you, you know, kind of get into it. You know, do you think now that we're creating chances, we're seeing that this system is actualizing and that these players can actually do it? Um, my one caveat, and I, you'll probably get into this, but like we're creating big chances, but we're not. We scored like one out of nine. So we're not really yeah. scoring them either. So that's another problem. Yeah, I think I've 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 talked about big chances a lot in my articles, tweets, pods, and people are probably tired of hearing me talk about big chances now. But unfortunately, you are going to hear me talk about big chances again. I think first of all, I want to put shameless people's VS prop that he has created three big chances in two games, but that's not really the point of what I'm saying. I I think where. Ziyech has played all those three games that we've created these chances. He, have, he has played all those games. 
And I think some semblance of familiarity has helped. Because the one thing I've always maintained about chance creation generally, not just big chances, is there are two parts of it. Someone has to make the pass, and someone has to receive the pass in a good area. If there's no one standing in a good area, there is no big chance created. If there's no one standing in a good area, there is no big chance created. So it's not enough to have a KDB on your team. A KDB goes with a Sterling, a Haaland, a Foden, someone who is running, getting into position to receive a pass. So there is that. I think uh, I agree that, yes, Potter system is clicking because the players have clearly been more familiar with each other and are more familiar with the playing style that, that is, 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 being, is being worked on. So I agree with that. But I think that Jesse's presence has actually been very helpful. I, I mean that. I think Jesse has been orchestrating a lot of things in the final third. Yeah, he's been, he's been really good the last yeah. few matches. He's looked he's a lot better. Overlaps, making overlaps, dribbles. He's been doing a lot of things that has helped other people to create a lot of chances. And I've maintained that he should play a lot more than he's playing, but I can't select for the manager. So I'm just going to be here and hope that Jesse continues to play and we continue to create clever chances. But I do hope we continue to create clever chances regardless of who plays, really. But yes, I think I think I, I, I don't think all the players are bad. I think some players have have played too much in the starting lineup without getting dropped. I won't mention names, Mr. Mount. Yeah, we've think, already done it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I don't think all the players are bad. I think it's just most of the I've maintained that they don't play enough together. They have too many new faces too often. So there's no chemistry that is being built. And when chemistry is being built, you see more big chances created. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, we're going to continue to see the evolution of this throughout how it plays out um, and within the system and how that how that changes over time. It's going to be interesting. Um, our, our final question comes in from Noel uh, Byrne uh, at uh, Byrne99. And he asks, why, why does our player of the year get so much hate? Everyone is off form. Is it his versatility, his downfall, or is he constantly being played out of position? So I think we, we kind of got at this one. I think honestly, the the why does he get so much hate argument is because like this is a he he's just the latest person in a multi year trend of yeah. saying a lot of awful abusive things towards players. He's just the new the new flavor of the month right now. Yeah. It's going to get the yeah. most of it, right? Like I said, you can go back to 2018 and and on your search and your like advanced search function in Twitter and find that other players were abused similarly. Um, yeah. I, so I think he's getting the hate because a he is in bad form, and b I think it's because of what I talked what we talked about earlier. How it's this you know one camp says he sucks, one camp says he's the best, and they just argue back and forth to the point that the entire that their conversations, those arguments are so loud, it's the only thing that you're being exposed to. Like there mm -hmm. are other people that don't talk in these terms in these ways, but you just have to you have to seek them out because if you just go onto Twitter. The, the low hate, you know, you can easily just scroll and see, hate, 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 hate. It is what it is. Um, I just think it's two groups that are fighting for internet fame. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Noel, to answer your question, I think that's why he's getting so much hate. I think that he's at definitely off, off form. His versatility, which we discussed, doesn't help because he gets shuffled into so many different areas that, like we talked about, he doesn't, he's not a winger. That's not his best skill set. And he's he is constantly being out of position due to injuries. So, I think like he, like Noel said, he pretty much right there summed up some of the mitigating things that we talked about that work in Mount's favor. 
but yet there's other aggravating things that don't. I just think, Noel, to answer it, the online stuff is a lot of it's not even real. It's just people yeah. searching for, they want to be right. That's what it is. They don't want to look at it and say, he's been great for two years and now he's in, he's out of form this year. Other players have done that, but um, we're running out of time here. Ola, thanks again so much for, uh, for coming on. Thanks for all the listener yeah. questions. And until the next time, keep the blue flag flying high.